Let's go, motherfuckers. Get fucking started here. Old New York, first episode of 2024. Paint your nails, get some black hair, hate your father. Let's go. I'm having trouble trying to sleep. I'm counting sheep, I'm running out. Time ticks back. Still I try. No rest for gossips in my mind. Love my own, here we go. Let's fucking go. If you don't hate your fucking parents right now, I swear to God, if you're not under a bridge doing some fucking smack, what the fuck are you doing with yourself? Come on, let's get busy. My eyes feel like they're gonna bleed. Right up in bullshit on my skull. Mouth dry. Is numb. Fucked up and spun out in my room. Right, oh, here we go. Oh my fucking god, dude. How else would we start 2024? How else would we start 2024 and then a little bit of Green Day, a little bit of Brain Stew? How the fuck are we doing, folks? Old New York episode 13. Holy shit. Fucking sweating. I'm fucking sweating. That's how excited I fucking am, dude. It's 2024. God damn, dude. What a year to be alive. What a year to be alive, folks. Can you believe this shit? 2024. This is going to be a big one. This is going to be a big one for the old New York. It's going to be a big one for me. It's going to be a big one for you. I hope it's going to be a big one for you. It's currently January 2nd. So, uh, to you and yours, uh, Mary bladed Christmas and also Happy New Year. I'm chilling with Black Santa. I don't see color folks. I went to fucking Marshalls and I saw Black Santa. I'm like, I need that. Yep, I need that. Ring it up for me. Ring it up for me immediately. I need that Black Santa. Uh, I, I like Black Santa, okay? Honestly, I'm sick of this stupid, jolly, white fuck. Like, we don't need this dude. And wouldn't it, like, wouldn't it really fucking pissed you the fuck off if you were like a, a, a black person and you had to fucking wait for this white dude all year? Like, why can't he be black? Fuck it. Jesus is black, dude. If, if you listen to the old New York and you follow this shit like a fucking religion, your Jesus is now black. Okay? His name's Jaquil and his father is fucking Debo from Friday. That's how we're fucking starting. That's my God. Who's yours? Alright, he snatches chains. Yours snatches souls. Fuck that shit. I don't give a fuck. We're coming for chains. We're coming for the whole goddamn neighborhood. First of all, before we get started, Matt Barrios uh, at Mike underscore B Matt made the logo, dude. It's fucking sick. I really appreciate it. Uh, hit him up if you need any. Holy shit. They're making a fucking comeback, folks. Oh my god. They're coming for more. And they're, they're, they're being fucking ruthless about it. Green Day does not care. They've made millions, and they need more. They need more time on my fucking podcast? Who do you think you are, you emo fucks? Uh, Matt Barrios, so hit him up. If you've got any illustration needs, you know, he's, he's a fucking cool dude. He'll get it done for you. Uh, and follow The Old New York on Instagram, on TikTok, on Twitter, at The Old New York underscore. Let's get fucking going, folks. It's 2024. I'm happy to be here. I hope you're having a good day. If you're working... 
Let's get this shit over with, man. You're probably close. It might be close to lunchtime, might be close to punching out, whatever it is. I hope you can get it done. Uh, and if you're just hanging out listening, thank you very much. I appreciate it. We're starting off the new year uh, with, with 41 followers on the Instagram. Oh, yeah, baby. I'm very excited about that. That makes me ecstatic. My goal was to hit 40 followers uh, before the new year, which I hit by one. Actually, yes, no, I hit it by one. Um, so I, I actually got 41 right now. And I, I got to do a little, a little shout out. All right, a little shout out to some uh, to some fucking Marines here. Okay, L- let me tell you. Let me tell you the backstory. This first of all, this this dates this dates back a while. Okay, so a little while ago in 2023, I was a fitness membership salesman. I worked at a gym and I sold memberships to people for unruly prices that I knew were fucking outrageous at the worst gym in the area for that company. And yeah, I, I sold gym memberships and I was fucking good at it, dude. I was damn good at it, but that doesn't mean you get everyone. Uh, you, you can't sell everyone. And in the wise words of Kenny Brooks, uh, Jesus didn't sell everybody. We'll see you around the block like a donut. So, you know, it, it comes times where you get people that just aren't going to buy a membership. And you kind of just got to, like, as a salesman, you got to take that lick and just fucking deal with it. Um, But, you know, some people buy. But by any means, the way that you obtain leads, at least at the gym that I was working at, is what you do is, first of all, you find people who are guests. Those are people who will come back. And the gym that I worked at, you could have a guest pass on your membership. So you can bring a person with you each time you come into the gym. So there was these, this fucking big buff dude. I don't even know his name. But uh, and actually, before I even say that, in the gym that I was working at, in the same plaza, there is a uh, Marine recruiting station. So we get these fucking Marines all the time, dude. These fucks, like, once a month would come in and rent out our basketball court. And, you know, once a month we have a bunch of fucking Marine recruits playing dodgeball or something. Like, that fucking really matters. Like, that's how they try to get you into the Marines. They're like, oh, come come on Saturday. We're going to play dodgeball. Marines get shot in the face. What the fuck is dodgeball going to help you with? Is it going to help you? Do you have to fucking pull the pin on the ball before you throw it? I don't, I don't know. I don't know. thought it was kind of stupid. But these Marines would come in all the time, and there was one Marine that I forget his name, to be honest, but he came in and he had a guest with him. And this guest was, uh, I'm going to call him Sergeant Master Gray. Okay, I'm not going to give out his name, but we're going to call him Gray for this instance. And uh, this motherfucker, man, he would come in as a guest. And, and the way that it worked is that where I worked, I was bottom lower than whale shit. You know, I had to do the bitch work kind of. So when guests came in, you have to, you know, sign their name and get their email and their phone number for insurance reasons, which is bullshit. That's what Jim say to you when you go in as a, as a guest and they're like, oh, we just need your you know name, email and phone number just in case anything goes wrong or you get hurt so we can, you know, keep in contact with you and figure it out. Really what it is, is so we can contact you for memberships and we can hit you up relentlessly for fucking memberships. So this dude comes in this big ass jacked fucking goddamn Marine dude. He comes in, Mr. Gray. And. I'd say to him, I'd say, hey, man, you know, I know you've been coming in a lot. You know, have you ever thought about just signing up? He's like, I don't know, man. I don't know. How much does it cost? I'm like, ah, it's this much a month. You know, it's not that bad for a Marine like yourself, right? 
It's like, ah, oh, not too bad. How about I come back next time and I'll talk to you? I'm like, all right, man, I'll, I'll see you around the block. So he, he come back the next time. Hey, man, it's Friday, dude. We got a promo going on. It's even cheaper to get in. How about you sign up? He's like, nah, dude, nah, I thought about it. Other gyms are cheaper. No, thank you. All right, all right, whatever. Then he came in again. And I try him every fucking time. This is what you do. Because if you don't try, you don't know if there's fish in the water unless you throw the line. Okay? That goes for trying to get a chick or a man or anything in between, for that matter. For trying to get someone to buy something. Like, you just don't know unless you ask. So I'd ask every time. And I'd also call him. Because, you know, you get a call list every day. So I'd call him. He's like, hey, man. You know, this is Steve over at, insert gym name here. And, uh, you know, I just wanted to, I just wanted to see if you're looking to sign up, you know, it's pretty good deals going on. Hit me up if you're interested. And, you know, he wouldn't answer. I'd leave the message and I'd, you know, I'd leave the message day after day after day. And the one day I called him and I actually, I actually got an answer and he picked up. I said, Hey man, it's your boy, Steve over at a insert gym name here. How you doing, man? You know, I, I was looking to see if I can get you signed up today. And he goes, listen here, Steve. Don't fucking call me. I don't want your gym membership. Your gym's shitty. There's cheaper gyms. I can work out at the recruiting facility. Stay the fuck off my phone. Don't fucking email me. Fuck you. And I'm like, holy shit. And then he just hung up. I was like, wow. All right. Well, I guess I'm going to take uh, Mr. Gray off the call list. Holy shit. I'm not going to take that verbal assault anymore. Fuck that. So, you know, that happened. Never ended up signing him up. and. You know, year, not years, excuse me, months later, months later, because now, you know, I'm 20 years old. I'm a young man in this world. When you just get out of high school and you decide not to go to college, the Marines or, you know, whatever recruiting stations near your high school, they go to your high school and they get your contact information. They also look at your transcripts and they, they look to see if you're doing anything. If you're going to college, if you decided to go in this direction, that direction, whatever the fuck. So what they would see from me is that I'm not going to college. I'm working full time. So what they do in these instances with kids is they, just like salesmen, put you on a call list. And every couple months you get a call from some Marine jarhead saying, Hey, buddy, you want to you wanna join the Marines? It's a pretty good deal. So one day I'm at home. I'm hanging out. I'm just sitting around fucking off, doing nothing. And I get a call from two Marines, one of which being Taylor Trulin and the other being Brendan Borgazo something. I don't fucking know how to pronounce his last name. It's some other fucking idiot that was in the room that... Didn't end up following the podcast, you pussy. Um, so they call me and they say, hey, man, you know, we, we just saw, you know, that you're not really, you're not going to college or anything. We we're just wondering what you're doing now. I said, you know, man, I decided not to take the college route, but I'm, I'm very much not interested in joining the Marines. Uh, I'm a bitch and I don't want to do that. But, you know, I appreciate your call. And they're like, yeah, man, it's fine. If anything ever changes, you know, it's a, it's a great route to take. And, you know, then, you know, my mind starts turning a little bit. I'm like, oh, wait a minute. Any chance you guys are at the Marine recruiting facility over at, uh, insert Marine recruiting facility address here? And he goes, oh, yeah, man. Yeah. I said, you know, you know, I was wondering, is there a guy who works there that's named Sergeant Gray? 
And he goes, yeah, 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 I know, I know who you're talking about. I said, listen here, buddy. You tell that stupid, tattooed, jarhead, stupid haircut having fuck that I'm joining the Navy and he can go fuck himself for all of his shitty calls that I had to leave for him. And then the one time he actually wants to fucking talk to me, you want to give me a fucking tone. I'm just trying to make a buck, buddy. I'm just trying to make my money. I was making like 14 an hour with commission. Making dark money bi-weekly. And you want to give me that fucking tone? You want to come to me with that shit? So you tell your little fucking sergeant friend that he can go fuck himself. And I, I might join the Marines. I might join the Coast Guard just to piss him off. Fuck him. Fucking asshole. And this kid's fucking like dying laughing. I got him cracking up. And you know, I hear these kids in the back, and there's a couple of them in the room, and they're all laughing. And I'm like, dude, you tell your fucking friend. He can go fuck himself. And you know, I get these kids laughing, and and here's the thing. Here's what I'm I'm happy about when it comes to you know working at the gym that I worked at. One, it sucked. Like I, I will not say that it didn't suck. It blew, it was not fun, it was a lot of getting sworn at. I got hung up on a lot. I disliked it a lot. And I, I didn't last there very long. I was very good at my job, but it was very mentally taxing. But I learned how to market. Okay. And I learned when people will bite on certain things. Okay. And, you know, if nine times out of 10, in my experience, if you make somebody laugh, they'll buy whatever you're selling. So I hear this kid and a couple people in the background fucking dying, dude. So I'm like, and you fucks, you follow the old New York podcast at the old New York underscore. Don't fucking forget it. Do it right now. And they're like, what? You got a podcast? He's like, I follow it right now. I said, you're goddamn right. And I hear some other kids laughing. I said, you fucks, give me 20. Give me 20. And I'm on the phone with them. It's like 2.30 in the afternoon. I'm just screaming in my, give me 20. Dude. And I'm, I'm. At this point, I'm fucking laughing so hard I can barely even talk. And this kid's dying over the phone. And he goes, "Hey, hey, you got you got Apple? You got a you got a iPhone?" I said, "Fuck yeah, I got an iPhone." He fucking FaceTimes me, bro. He's sitting in a chair and he, he points the camera at his two little Marine friends, and they're fucking banging out push-ups, dude. Like they're listening to me. They're doing push-ups. So I'm I'm on the phone, drill sergeant mode at this point. Come on, Sergeant! What the fuck is that, you pansy bitch? Dude, I'm just screaming and yelling at these fucking kids. It was hilarious. And the one kid was doing, he was doing like five-year-old push-ups. Like, when your ass is in the air and your head's like kind of pointed at the ground and he's just kind of like pushing his head towards the ground. So I'm like screaming at him. I'm like, you know, I said how I like played football my whole life and I did a better push-up when I was seven. Like, dude, just screaming and yelling at these fucking kids. And, uh, yeah, they banged out their push-ups, dude. They did 20 for me, two of them. And, uh, yeah, and there, there was three in the room and two followed the podcast. Uh, and those guys, let me see what their fucking names were again. Hold on, hold on, hold on. Uh, yeah, Taylor Trulin and Brendan Borgzo or something like that. Fucking weird name. Uh, but shout out to them, dude. Two fucking Marines saving the fucking nation, dude. We, we got to send you fucks over to 
to Israel or fucking wherever. Get those fucking Hamas, dude. Them baby killing fucks. I want you to go kill them, rip their fucking heads off, rip their heads and dicks right off their fucking body. Put them on a stake. Bring them back to the motherland. Don't let them reproduce. Fucking murder them. That's what we need from you guys. But shout out to them because they followed the podcast and uh, and they, they gave me a pretty funny experience. And also, fuck your sergeant, lieutenant, whatever the fuck his real name is. I'm not going to say on here. Fuck him. And I hope he hears this. And, you know, call me again. Call me again. I dare you to call me again. And I bet it'll be worse than the first time. Not joining the fucking Marines. I will work full time and do my podcast and do just fine. But yeah, shout out to them. So that's how I wanted to start this off. Um, that, that, that was a really, really funny phone call that I, I enjoyed greatly. Hey, maybe you guys come on the fucking podcast one day. Who knows? Maybe we'll make it a full circle moment. In other news, dude, recently, and I can't remember the exact day that it happened uh, that they were released, but Gypsy Rose Blanchard has been released from prison. Now, some of you might be wondering, who the fuck is Gypsy Rose Blanchard? If you are a female, you know exactly who I'm talking about. If you're a guy, you've probably got no fucking clue. I'll explain. Gypsy Rose Blanchard was, at, at the time, she was a very young girl. I think she was like, uh, I don't know when this started. This started in her younger years. But her mother, Dee Dee Blanchard, um, she had a mental illness. And the mental illness was, I can't even fucking pronounce it, so I'm going to Google translate this bitch right now. It's Munchausen. Yes, Munchausen. So it's Munchausen disorder, and, and I'll get the exact, um, let, let me get the exact definition. Munchausen syndrome. There we go. Uh, Munchausen syndrome is a psychological condition where someone pretends to be ill or deliberately produces symptoms of illness in themselves. Their main intention is to assume their quote unquote sick role so that people care for them and they are the center of attention. Now it's not exactly what she had. Uh, What happened was is the mother had some, you know, form of Munchausen disorder. Um, where she would tell her daughter, Gypsy Rose Blanchard, that she was ill. She had leukemia, a bunch of different bullshit. Um, I, what, I can't remember exactly what she said. I know that she told her that she had leukemia. What else was it? Let me see if I can find it in my notes here. I can't even find it. Um, oh, yes. And she also suffered from seizures, asthma, hearing and visual impairments, muscular uh, dystrophy. leukemia and was also in the need of a feeding tube so she told her daughter that she needs all this shit and she has all these disorders right the girl has none of them Gypsy Rose Blanchard was completely fine as a kid but Dee Dee her mother would bring her to the fucking doctor religiously and say there's something wrong with my baby and there was nothing wrong with her baby and you know she just continuously played this mind game with her child for some sort of like mental need to you know, have her in her possession at all times, kind of creepy. Um, but what basically had happened was Gypsy Rose Blanchard finds out later in her years that she doesn't have any of these fucking disorders. She's completely fine. She can walk without the wheelchair. She doesn't have uh, muscular dystrophy, and she's actually in, in in pretty good shape. Well. She finds this out, and she starts to branch a little bit more out into the world. She starts to spread her wings and go out into the real world. And she finds this this young man on the internet 
Cause she's she's going around. She's going around snooping on Omegle and all this fucking shit, you know, she's hanging out. And she finds uh Nicholas Goodjohn, G-O-D-E-J-O-H-N. Goodjohn, Gojohn, I don't know. But she finds this guy Nicholas and they end up uh dating through the computer, you know, online dating. And they they're they're a little they're a little freaky fucks. I'll tell you what, they were in the fucking phone or uh phone sex, if you want to call it like that. It was, you know, through like fucking video chat. That's still it lands in the category of phone sex. Uh but you know, we're gonna they're as intimate as possible for not actually being intimate with each other and being in the same room. So they end up forming a, a pretty strong bond and uh Time goes on and on and on, and, and she explains her story to Nicholas about how her mother constantly believes uh, and, and tries to distort her m- mental aspect in believing she has some sort of disorder or disease or multiple diseases, and Nicholas is like, fuck that, I don't like that shit, let's fucking, let's fucking get her, dude. So, long story short. Gypsy Rose Blanchard and Nicholas uh, end up plotting a way to murder her mother, Dee Dee, and they fucking handle it, dude. I think, I believe, if I'm correct, they ended up stabbing her, and it was Nicholas that stabbed her. Um, I believe that's correct. If I'm wrong, excuse me for being incorrect on that. Um, I, I really, I got no fucking clue. I, I'm pretty sure... That she was stabbed. I'm going to take a look at this right now. I think Dee Dee. Dee Dee Blanchard stabbed. That's a fucking crazy Google search. Uh, yeah she was stabbed. Okay. Um, yep they found the body. Her body. Uh, her real name was Claudine Blanchard. Face down in her bedroom of her house. Just outside of Springfield. Laying in a bed and pool. From a blood stab wound inflicted several days earlier. Ooh, she was sitting around. Dude, like a, a dead body's got to be disgusting, like a, a murdered body. But like a like a week old dead body. It is, it, dude. She was no like charmer neither. She was a big broad. Like that's a fucking nasty body that stumbled upon. Nasty body. Yeah, I would not want to be in that fucking same room, dude. Ew. Um. But by any means, she ends up dying, and I, I believe they were on the run for a little while, but they didn't go very long uh, on the run, Nicholas and Gypsy Rose. But they end up getting caught. They go to prison. They're locked up. Uh, Gypsy Rose Blanchard ended up getting 10 years for um, murder. What, what would you call that? You, you don't commit the murder. But you you planned it, whatever the fuck that term is, I can't remember off the top of my head. And Nicholas ends up going down with the murder charge because he was the one that stabbed her. So anyways, they go to jail and people catch on to this. And they end up going to jail in 2015. They catch on to this uh, movie people and they're like, this is a fucking hit, dude. We need this right now. So they end up making a show called The Act. It was out on Hulu. This is where I heard about Jersey Road Blanchard. Uh, my girlfriend was watching it. I watched it with her. Great show. Uh, if you want to learn more about the situation, I'd like to say that it accurately depicts it. Um, but you know, it, it probably doesn't in retrospect, but it was a pretty good representation. I'd say I like the show. Um, but then, you know, the, the story kind of hits the mainstream, like it was mainstream when it happened. 
but it, it really got viral and well known when the show came out in 2019. So people get this uproar to get Gypsy Rose out of prison or just do whatever they can to to help her situation. So you know, there's a bunch of different shit on uh, social medias. There's hashtags. There there's GoFundMe's. Like people are trying to get this chick out of prison. Uh, but by any means, Gypsy Rose is out. She was released from prison. She was released on December 28th of last year. And uh, yeah, she is out now. She's on social media, just like every good uh, imprisoned uh, murder conspiracy, conspiracy or whatever the fuck you would call it. Yeah, she's out and she's on social media and people are loving it, dude. They are absolutely gassed up on the fact that she's out of prison. She got a 10-year sentence uh, in 2015. She ended up serving 85% of it uh, and got out on good behavior. Her lover, Nicholas Goodjohn, whatever the fuck, Nick, Nicky Boy, Nicky Stabby, he, uh, yeah, he's in life. He's in for life. He's done. And he's got no possibility of parole. So uh, Nick's fucked. Nick really went down with this one, dude. Uh, I, I, I feel bad for Nick. Okay, Nick... Just did what he had to do. Okay? Nick just was trying to help the girl he loved. Okay? And and he stabbed a bitch. How many people? Okay, even like I'm in a relationship of almost five years, which I'm proud to say. I don't know if I'm stabbing somebody for her. Okay? Like life in prison. He met this chick online. Okay? He met this chick in a week. How many of you? Maybe I'll put a fucking poll on Instagram. Here's the poll. How many of you would meet a girl online who's in a wheelchair and be willing to stab her mother because you love her that much? Okay? I don't think half of you fucks would do that. Okay? None of you. Like, these kids now, none of y'all are loyal. Everybody wants to say they're fucking loyal and they piss loyalty. It's bullshit. None of you guys are fucking loyal. I know that you're loyal to me if you're willing to stab a motherfucker. Just, <laughs> just stabbing bitches through the fucking shower curtain. That's what this dude was up for. Nick is a bad bitch, dude. Nick is a bad bitch. And you know what? I'm not even... I'm, I don't even know what he looks like. I'm actually going to look up what he looks like. Because I'm just... I don't even know what his real life... Oh my god. Oh, holy shit. Yeah, he ain't a looker neither. He actually, wow. In this one picture, he kind of looks like Gypsy Rose. Like, they kind of look similar. That's fucking creepy. Uh, but anyways, Nick's, Nick's a die a diehard Gypsy Rose fan, all right? He'll, he'll do anything for Gypsy. But here's, here's the thing that really fucked me up. Okay. Gypsy Rose Blanchard is on social media now. And she, she's got a bunch of posts and she's promoting and she's going to use it as marketing leverage and she's probably going to get some sponsors and maybe a show or whatever the fuck. She now has a husband, okay? Her husband's name is Ryan Anderson and they're ex it says here they're excited to be, uh, they're excited about married life after prison following Gypsy's December 28th release. But here's the thing. I totally understand 
like Gypsy Rose going and finding someone else uh, to be her eternal partner throughout this life and carry her over the fucking whatever they call it when you carry the bride over the thing and you'll, you know, go on to your fucking married life. I get it. Because this dude, Nick, he ain't getting not. <laughs> he ain't getting not. All right. Next time you're going to see Nick is at the pearly gates. That's a shame, but, uh, and I understand that. And I'm not saying that Gypsy Rose is wrong for getting a new lover. But damn, man, these bitches are cool. I feel bad for Nick, dog. Like, that's the only thing. Like, everybody's like, Gypsy Rose is out. Yes, queen. You made it. Yes, Seth. Dude, what about Nick? Nobody, nobody cares about Nick. Half you bitches would kill yourself to have a man like Nick. Okay? And and that man's locked the fuck up forever. And and he's gonna be able to watch Gypsy Rose and her new boo thing. Probably on the news a lot. Probably on TV shows. I bet she gets a Winfrey. Sp- Is Oprah still on? I don't think Oprah's still on. I bet she's on that one show with uh, Whoopi Goldberg and all the women that sit. Uh, like the fucking morning talk show. I bet she'll be on that. You know, she's gonna get late night spots. And fucking Nick is just going to be sitting there just fucking jerking off in that cell. Like, God damn it, Gypsy. Oh, what I would do. I would stab a bitch again for you. So, in a roundabout way, I don't, I don't want to talk about Gypsy Rose Blanchard. I don't. But I do want to talk about Nicholas Goodjohn. Goodjohn, whatever the fuck. Dude, I'm saluting you. I'm saluting you, big dog. You're as loyal as, as a good bloodhound. God damn it. It's a fucking shame, dude. You're a fucking psychopath. Like, don't, like, I'm not trying to negate the fact that you're a fucking psycho. God damn it, dude. Loyal as they come. God bless Nick. Moment of silence for Nick. He ain't dead, but just as good as being dead. Shit. So, yeah. Gypsy Rose Blanchard, man. She's fucking out, and she's just gonna carry on, you know, living her fucking best life. I mean, you know, good for her. Good for her. Man, dude. Fucking Nicholas Pickles, man. I, I feel so bad for the dude. But in other news, let's get off this Gypsy Rose bullshit. Uh, the notorious Conor McGregor has another fight. Boys and girls, I haven't talked about it much on here. I'm a pretty big UFC fan. Like, I've, I've regressed in the past couple years. From what I used to be. But I'm, I'm still actively a fan of the UFC. And, and that love for me. Just like oh, millions of other people. Started with Conor McGregor. First of all you get this fucking story. Of this, this plumber on welfare. You know and he's fighting on the side. Trying to make it big. Trying to do what's best for his family. With his girlfriend. And, you know, he's, he's fighting, fighting, fighting. He finally gets a chance on Cage Warriors. And then he gets onto the fucking UFC roster. And then he wins a couple championships and moves on and on and on. And from 2011 to 2015 is undefeated. Beats Jose Aldo in 45 seconds. This fucking insane UFC fighter. One of the best strikers in UFC history. And then, pew, he doesn't fall off the mat. Not, not once has Conor McGregor fallen off the mat. But after the Cerrone fight, because we remember, like, you know, he went up against Diaz. He had the two fights against Diaz. That was great. 
beat Eddie Alvarez, lost to Habib, and then he beat Donald or Donald Cerrone, Cowboy Cerrone. That was kind of this big comeback in 20, 2020. And then he had the two losses to Dustin Poirier. And, you know, the second one was questionable because he fucked his leg up. But I don't think we ever lost that, that prime Conor McGregor, but it's been kind of overshadowed the past couple of years. Other fighters have taken that spotlight, like Sugar Sean, John Strickland, uh, it, even earlier than that, Israel Adesanya, John Jones came back. A bunch of shit going down in the UFC. So it's like, it's Conor McGregor's kind of been not forgotten at all, but he's been, you know, kind of pushed to the back of the line as a, in importance, if you will. But now he's going to go back to selling hundreds of millions of fucking streams or whatever it is, you know, pay-per-views. And, and he now has a new fight announced. And I'm just going to play the clip and let, let the fucking king talk for himself. So here's the clip. He's in a restaurant. Uh, there's a little bit of music in the background. So if it's hard to hear, sorry, baby. but here, here's the clip. Hold on. Ladies and gentlemen. Happy New Year to you all. I'd like to announce the return day for myself, the notorious Conor McGregor. The greatest comeback of all time will take place in Las Vegas for International Fight Week on June the 29th. Come a little closer. And the opponent, Michael Chandler. And the weight, Mr. Chandler, 185 pounds. <laughs> What a fucking maniac, dude. Like, what a fucking maniac. I fucking love Conor McGregor. And if it wasn't audible enough or you couldn't hear, you should have been able to hear. But if you couldn't, he's fighting Michael Chandler. Uh, I, I want to say it was on the 29th. I actually missed the fucking date. I can't remember the date. Uh, at 185. So, a couple things, couple things pop up there. First of all, Michael Chandler. Michael Chandler has really rose up in the ranks in the UFC recently. Dude's got a, a, just an absolute insane resume. And, and not only that, but I believe that he is one of the most talented fighters right now uh, in the UFC. But I do believe that there's been times where he's been beatable. Like, okay. Obviously, he's beautiful or beatable. Let me say that. Through his fights in the UFC, his first fight was in 2021, knock, or, uh, knockout against Dan Hooker, lost to uh, Oliveira, lost to Gaethje, beat Tony Ferguson, sent that motherfucker back to the Stone Age with that one kick, dude. Everybody's seen that kick he had on Tony Ferguson where his face just fucking morphed into an NFT, and uh, and then and then he ended up losing to submission Poirier, who, I mean, Poirier's just fucking insane. Like honestly, I I would say in, in those areas that lightweight, welterweight kind of area, the hundred and whatever pounds, not featherweight, not heavyweight. I think Michael Ch or excuse me, Dustin Poirier is probably the most dangerous fighter, baddest motherfucker in the UFC right now. Personally, for me, I mean, he's beating McGregor, he's beating Chandler, he's he's beating everybody. Okay, Chandler's or. Poirier, Jesus Christ, is an animal. Uh, but Chandler, I feel like when it comes to Chandler, I think this is going to be a good fight. 
I think he has everything he uh, he would possibly want from someone who's going against Conor McGregor. He can strike. He can wrestle. And and especially when you get Conor McGregor on the ground, that's where you'd like him. But I think on the feet, I want to say McGregor still has the edge. Okay? I really do. But Chandler is a fucking warrior. Okay? Michael Chandler will fuck anybody up in those divisions. And now they're fighting at 185. So we've seen McGregor at featherweight. We've seen him at 55. We've seen him at 70. And I want to say that he's he's done at least well in all those aspects. Because, you know, when you're when you're fighting at 45 with McGregor, I mean, that power is just insane. You know, he's hitting like a fucking heavyweight in featherweight. And then when you get to the 50s and 70s, then he's just packing on muscle. So now we're going to see McGregor at his heaviest at 185. And not to mention, uh, he is the second fighter in UFC history to fight in four weight classes. Um, which is just never happened, but except for what? What the fuck? Who was it? Ah, uh, what the fuck? Who was it, dude? I don't even remember. I looked it up before this, and I can't remember. Ah, by any means, there's only one other person who's ever fought in four different weight classes. So now McGregor's just making more history. Um, but realistically. I see Conor McGregor just putting on more muscle. Does this take away any speed from him? I would doubt. I would doubt that very strongly, that it would take any of his speed away uh, in his strikes. And obviously, when you get a guy like Conor McGregor, who's just got insane fight IQ, I mean, you know, we could go back to the Mystic Mac era where he's just predicting how things are going to happen. I predict these things! I predict these things. He knows when shit's going to happen. And like the best example of that, and it's it's beaten like a dead horse, but is, is the Aldo fight. He's in the back room right before the fight happens. And he, he was saying that at the fucking, uh, what do they call that? The face off, the weigh in, when they were doing the little, they put their fucking dukes up and they get in each other's faces. He said he saw Aldo's right hand just twitching. And he said it was a towel. And he was just looking to unload that right hand. And, you know, in the back room, he was, he was parrying, he was just setting up in his fucking little fire stance, and then he takes a fucking back step, fade away, right hook, or was it a left hook, excuse me, left hook, and, you know, 45 seconds in, Aldo overextends that right hand, and right to his fucking jawline, fix that shit, and, uh, and the fight was over. So, now, I, I, I'm not positive on how this fight's gonna go. I think when it when you get to 185, I feel like Michael Chandler is going to have the strength advantage, and maybe not in in the strikes. I think Conor McGregor holds that strength advantage when striking. Um, you know his shots are just they'll knock your fucking lights out. Like he has just fucking flatlined people for years and years and years and years in the UFC and Cage Warriors in the fucking earlier years, like. This guy is insane on the feet, but I think when it comes to grappling and wrestling, uh, Michael Chandler's got that completely by by like twenty on McGregor. 
But what I'm most interested to see is what McGregor looks like coming into this fight. Because I feel like, like when we look at Michael Chandler, because he usually fights what when uh what fucking weight class does Michael Chandler usually fight? I think it's lightweight, right? Slated for more. Yeah, usually fights at fifty five. So I think that Chandler's going to look bigger coming into this fight. But I'm excited to see what both of these fighters just physically look like at that face-off, at that weigh-in. Because they're going to be fucking monsters. They are going to be monsters. And McGregor, even when he bumped up to 70, looked fucking insane. So it's really going to come down for me to that, that, that first real crack in the first round. Like, like when you play a, a contact sport, like football, you know, for me and for most football players, you're nervous when you play and when you first get into the game. But once you take that first hit, once you get that first fucking lick and you feel it, then you're ready to go. I feel like that's what this fight's going to be. But at the same, like, I, I feel like that first good fucking... First good crack, first good significant strike is really going to change the course of this fight. And and I will also say, if you couldn't tell, I'm a very casual UFC fan. Okay, I'm not, I'm not a fighter. I wrestled in high school, so I have sort of an idea of one aspect of it. But I really, I'm, I don't know a lot about MMA. I know how to watch it and have a good fucking time. And I also know that these are two of the baddest fighters to ever step in the cage. And I know Chandler doesn't have this huge resume like Conor McGregor does. I know. But Michael Chandler will fuck anybody up in the 55 division. And I think he has good possibility to take that title at some point. But now we're going to see both of these fighters at their heaviest. This is something that who knows when we'll see this again from McGregor. And for me, this fight, it's, it's, it's bigger for me to see McGregor. Because one, I mean, this guy just shaped my love for this sport. Uh, and, and, you know, he's one of those guys kind of like, you know, I'm not at all comparing him as a fighter to Chael Sonnen, but he's one of those fighters that can, you know, do those promos and WWE style promos and, and sell hundreds of millions of pay-per-views, and has fought Mayweather, and has fought Aldo, and Habib, like, just these, and then the Diaz fight, do you remember the primed McGregor fight in Nate Diaz, how big that shit was, that was a huge spectacle, and I, I don't know if we're ever going to see McGregor this heavy again, and I don't know how well it's going to go for him, I think that he's Probably, obviously, going to be the strongest we've ever seen him in the cage. But I, I don't think it will affect his striking, and I think he's still going to be just as quick as he he ever was, and and just as, and you know, before I say what I was about to say, I'm interested to see how he feels in the cage because I know that McGregor hasn't fought as much. In the past couple of years, he really hasn't. He's kind of, you know, been low key in the UFC. I don't think he's stopped fighting. I don't think that he's just completely stopped training. 
I think he's constantly been training and, he, and he's, he's ready for war at any time. But I'm excited to see him get back in the cage and how it affects him. I don't think it'll be a negative effect, but we'll see what happens. I mean, Michael Chandler's been active. He has been active, and this is this is a guy that you do not want to fuck with. You don't want to fuck with uh, Michael Chandler. And I mean, since 2021, he's got five fights. And since 2021, or excuse me, for, um, for McGregor, since 2021, he's had two fights. And he lost both of them. So, it's going to be a huge spectacle. It's going to be a huge pay-per-view. Everybody's going to be getting rowdy. I'm getting fucking hammered for that. I can't wait for that fight. It's going to be insane. I want to say it's June 29th. If I'm wrong, my bad. I fucking didn't listen to the video because I already listened to it before and I thought I had my fling on a string, but I didn't. Um, but get your fucking pay-per-views as soon as they pop out. Uh, and that's a, this isn't even counting uh, on UFC 300, which is going to be an even bigger spectacle, probably. I mean, UFC 300, uh, Dana White just came out and said that a lot of people, when you when you see the first prelim, you're going to be like, oh, this is a prelim fight. Like, surprised to see these two fighters going on a prelim. Uh, so I'm just so excited for what the UFC's got in 2024. And it just seems like every year they just top out and they do these crazy fucking fights that nobody would ever expect. And then, you know, the next year they just double it. And then they double it again and double it again and double it again. So, you know, I, I'm very excited to see what the UFC's got this year. But I do want to get my fight prediction. And this is an early fight prediction, obviously. We'll see what happens. I want to see some training from McGregor. And obviously, what you get on social media is a nut hair of what they're actually doing in the gym. I, I totally understand that. But it's still, I just like to see it. I like to see how they're moving. And I, I like to see where their head's at. And it gives you just a little hint of it. But my early prediction is that this goes all the way to a decision. And they give it to McGregor. In a split. I think it's going to be split decision. Conor McGregor wins. Um, and also. McGregor. Has never been known for his stamina. I mean you look back at the Diaz fights. I mean he was gassing in the third round. You know like. I think McGregor is going to come flying. In the first couple of rounds. Because that's just what he does. He tries to put your lights out early. So there's no more fight to be had. But then. With these fights that he's had that have gone all the way, he you know he goes crazy in the first couple rounds and then just kind of survives the last half. Now I think Michael Chandler has every skill necessary to knock his fucking teeth out when he's tired, but I feel like McGregor is going to be ready to um, preserve himself those last couple rounds and just survive. So I, I'm, I'm taking split decision McGregor uh, for this fight. If I'm right, shit, man. Give me some money. Maybe I should bet that. I feel like that's a pretty solid, uh, pretty solid guess. I don't think it's going to be a knockout in any way. I think it's going to go all the way. Uh, but huge news in the UFC, and I'm, I'm very excited to track that and see how uh, that 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 continues to build on itself in the next coming months. And we'll move on to our last little subject. I want to I want to get over today. Um, and it's some NFL controversy. And you probably already know where I'm going with this, but if you don't, <coughs> first of all, go Bills. 
Bills uh, ended up beating the Patriots 27-21 in a game that shouldn't have been as close as it was. Rasul Douglas is a dog. Go Bills. Not a Mafia edition. Forget about it. Uh, I want to talk about the Cowboys and the Lions game. First of all, what a football game we got to watch. Holy shit. Uh, Two very, very high-powered offenses um, and and two pretty, you know, one really good defense, one subpar defense. Um, But a very good game that we got to watch. But nobody cares about the game anymore. Okay, nobody cares about the 20-19 one-point win for the Dallas Cowboys. Nobody cares. Nobody cares about the conference, uh, this conference game in the NFC. Nobody gives a shit. Because of what happened in the final segments of the game. Um, Lions get down, down the field, score a touchdown, and they're down by one. Now, there's there's a couple people in the NFL that if Sean McDermott was fired or, you know, cut whatever the situation was and the Bills don't have McDermott and we need a new head coach, there's a couple of people that I would vouch for to be the head coach of this team. And there's three that come to mind. The first is Mike McDaniel. I know he's a Dolphins. The Dolphins coach. I know that we face him next week. I don't give a shit. I love Mike McDaniel. I love the way he runs his team. I love the way that he keeps him accountable. And I love the way that he keeps himself accountable and treats everybody the same. Media, players, coaches, etc. The second is Kyle Shanahan. Fantastic offensive mind. You know, with his GM has built an absolutely insane team. And I, I love the way he coaches a football team. And the third is Dan Campbell. Uh, and the reason that I like Dan Campbell is not because of how he builds the team, is not because of how he coaches, is not because of how he, how he treats people. It's because this dude's got nuts that he's got to carry with a fucking wheelbarrow. Okay. The Lions get down the field, they score, they make it a one point game. What do they do? They, they can kick a field goal or they can go for two. They decide to go for two. Go for two, they miss it. Penalty happens, they get another shot. So they, they decided to bring out some extra linemen, run a trick play. Now imagine imagine being a coach, right? In a conference game, both teams are what? Uh Dallas is what? Ten and ten and five. And fucking the Lions were eleven and four, I think. Imagine having a conference game against a team that you might see in the playoffs, and you're down by one, and you want to run. A fucking trick play to a lineman. Dan Campbell, my hat's off to you, you crazy fucking bastard. Who would ever think to do that? Nobody. This guy's different. By any means, he runs he runs a trick play. And I, I believe the guy who caught it was number 68. What the fuck was his name? Uh oh, oh uh Taylor Decker. Great player. But what happens is we, we see teams doing this a lot now, and, and for Bills fans, it might be more noticeable when you see uh, they'll take a receiver out and they'll replace him with an offensive lineman. And we do this a lot with number 76, David Edwards. So sometimes when you're watching the game, you'll hear the announcer go, number 76, David Edwards is reporting eligible. And that just means that he's technically a wide receiver. He's a lineman. 
in in retrospect, but on that certain play, he's he's counted as a uh, receiver or a tight end. And a lot of the times you'll hear people on the radio or Sean McDermott call him a jumbo tight end. Basically, you bring him in just for extra muscle. You want that guy in the field because you want a good push. Um, but in this instance, because Dan Campbell has nuts the size of grapefruits, he wanted to use him as a tight end and throw a little out route to him. So when this happens as a lineman, because you know when a re- another receiver comes in the game, that's obvious, you can tell. But when a lineman comes in as a receiver, it's the lineman's job to walk up to the ref and say, Sir, I'm reporting eligible. And they say, okay. And then they call it up to the fucking announcer dude, and they go, number 76, David Edwards is reporting eligible. So, anyways, they score a touchdown, or a two-point conversion, excuse me. It ends up getting called back. And that's where the controversy came in, because then there's a video of, you know, the fucking lineman coming onto the field. And you can see them walk up to the refs. You can see it with your own two fucking eyes. Everybody can see it. And the the first two people that walk up to the ref is Panay Sewell, who is, is the tackle, who's already a lineman, has been in the game the whole time. Taylor Decker, who's the guy who caught the touchdown. He goes up to the ref, reports eligible. And then you see number 70, Dan Skipper, running onto the field afterwards. And it looks like he misses the ref. Now, he's a lineman on the play. So this is where the controversy started. Because they had number 68, Taylor Decker, walk up to the ref and report eligible. But what happened was, The ref, after the play, said that he did not report eligible. So now there's this huge controversy that they should have won the game. People are ripping into the fucking, they're ripping into the rule book, trying to find any way to reverse it. And actually, there is a section in the NFL rule book, I think it's 17 something, 17A or whatever the letter is, uh, where Roger Cadell can actually change a, a win or a loss in the win or loss column because of whatever instance that happened. And people are vouching for Goodell to change this game and and change it so that the Lions could win. And I just want to voice my fucking opinion on this, because first of all, I get Lions fans. I totally understand, and I think anybody from Buffalo understands better than any other team. I mean, we look back at 13 seconds, should have had a chance in overtime, but didn't. I get I get that pain. And I also understand that what it looks like on camera is that everything that was supposed to be done happened. You know, Taylor Decker walked up and reported eligible and did the whole shindig. I don't know where the refs fucked up. I don't know where they thought this was wrong. <coughs> Excuse me. But by any means Lions end up losing the game. People are pissed. And there, there's big news now, and I'm, I'm releasing it now. I think it's been well known. But Goodell has taken that offic- or officiating crew, all three of them, and has completely uh, taken them out of playoff games. So you won't see that official group in the playoffs. Thank God. 
Let me look up. I, I actually want to know which refs it was. The Lions game. It doesn't say any of their fucking names. Because they're like, I don't know all the fucking refs. But I know some of them. Oh, it was, it was Brad Allen's crew. Ah, so he's a, he's a lesser known ref. Uh, but yeah, so as Brad Allen's crew is completely out of the playoffs. But what I want to say to Lions fans is uh, suck it the fuck up. Okay, you're in the NFC North. You've made the playoffs. You've got a good team. You're probably going to at least win a game. Let's just fucking deal with it, okay? Like, I'm sick of teams when things go bad. Like, being a Bills fan, I know what heartbreak is, okay? And I hate it, too, because people who, you know, went through the 90s and saw the Super Bowls, like, I get that's a whole different type of pain, but shit, look at us. Lost a a 16 or 19 nothing lead to Deshaun Watson, and then we lost to... Mahomes, and we lost to Mahomes again, and then we lost to Burrow, and it's like we've had our own stretch. Is it a Super Bowl? No, but it still fucking hurt. 13 seconds hurt. Watching our entire team crumble last year hurt. Watching DeMar Hamlin die a couple times, that sucked. Like, we've been through our pains. The Lions, I get you guys have been through the 0-16 years, and you haven't been in the playoffs in a long time. You've got a great team. You've got a great team, and you're going to go far, I do think, whether it's this year or the next. But goddamn, I I get it. I get it. I get the pain. And I think the NFL needs to do a couple of things. They need to write every rule. They need to go back with every single rule, and they need to clarify it to a T. Because there's too many of these calls recently where it's like, oh, well, well, this instance isn't necessarily a call, but with with the 13 seconds, I didn't like that. You know, like how they want to change the rule now. Like, I feel like we should just take time in this offseason to just look at every fucking rule and think, okay, is there anything that we want to tweak before we get into another decade of bullshit, another decade of bad calls, another decade of shitty officiating? And also, and I'll say this again, God damn it, we gotta change those fucking fields. We've gotta change those fields. It's just gotta happen. I, there's so many Achilles and, and ACLs. So many of those injuries this year. And I really don't think they're giving a fuck to change it. <coughs> oh my god, excuse me. I don't think it's gonna be changed. It's a shame. It's a goddamn shame. And... I think the NFL is a great football league, but there is so much that can be done to fix little things that are happening. Little bad calls and, and, and bad suspensions and, and, and my, my biggest problem, and it's not even like the rules. Like, I think the rules are fine, but I, I disagree with a lot of the targeting calls, a lot of the roughing the passer calls. Like, I'm one of those people that wants the old NFL back, okay? I, I grew up in the golden era. I grew up with the Palomalus and the Brian Dawkins and the Ed Reeds and the Ray Lewis and Erlackers. I, I grew up with the good shit. And to see this pansy fucking football. And like and not to mention, dude, and, and let me let me round off. Forget this shit. I think the NFL's got a lot of shit they gotta fucking deal with. It's annoying. 
I kind of want to talk about Joe Flacco. Joe Flacco. Dude, maybe make me fucking Stavros Hovacus. Something I trust more about Flacco. Dude, Joe Flacco is dicing up these children right now. Nobody can fuck with Joe Flacco. I don't think there's anybody in the NFL that's going to fuck with Joe Flacco. <laughs> I really fucking don't. Dude, this guy was Joe Cool after Joe Cool, okay? Like, I don't think that kids nowadays understand what Joe Flacco was in the 2010s. Yes, he only won a Super Bowl, but man, he was consistent. He was consistent. He has a great deep ball. The one, uh, when he was in college, he went up against Chad Henney and some other quarterback in a, in a throwing competition and ended up chucking a ball 76 yards. Okay. Joe Flacco came off the couch this year and has been balling. And he's got a, a pretty good receiving core to deal with. Yeah. And okay. Running backs and a good offensive line. I mean, just when we thought it was over for the Cleveland Browns. Just when we thought it was over, Joe Cool comes to save the day. And, dude, I'm not even going to lie. If he comes to Buffalo, I'm kind of worried. But I think we'd be able to handle him. But if for some reason, knock on wood, we don't make the playoffs or we fucking get knocked out, knock on wood, knock on wood, knock on wood, um, I, I, I just think that Joe Flacco is my new favorite to win the Super Bowl. Um, this shit's life for him. Like I said, he played Palomalu and, you know, fucking uh, Joey Porter and James Harrison twice a year. And he was on the same team and practiced every day against Ed Reed and Ray Lewis and Terrell Suggs and CJ Mosley. Like, this guy has been through the ringer. You think these little pansy ass football players, these little needing a fucking skull helmet in seven on sevens, needing fucking players? You think those guys are going to stop Joe Flacco? You're fucking dumb, dude. You're dumb if you think that's going to stop Mr. Flacco. He's elite. And, and some of you fucking people, like, I bet there's kids that don't even get the Joe Flacco's elite joke. So let me break it down for you because you're young and stupid and you were probably born in 2015 and that's fine. And if you were, you probably shouldn't be listening to this podcast. But... Joe Flacco was never considered an elite quarterback, and that kind of stuck with him, and it was a big media thing, and they were like, Joe, do you think you're elite? And he's like, oh, yeah, I think I am. But I think this goes to show that Joe Flacco is elite. He can come off the couch and do it. He's basically been an Uber for his kids. He's sleeping on the sidelines past 9 o'clock because he hasn't fucking stayed up past 9 in probably five, six years, and he's probably still driving that Benz that he got in the fucking Super Bowl. So... Here's what I want to say about Joe Flacco. Not only is he elite, but I think that he's one of the comeback of the year candidates. And also this. If DeMar Hamlin wins comeback player of the year, come on. No. No, he don't I don't think I don't think that DeMar Hamlin deserves it. And like, here's the thing. I know he's gonna get it. I know he's going to get it, and that's fine. And and realistically, the guy died and, and, and came back and is now back to playing football, and it's an incredible story, and I'm not negating that. But he's a special teamer. I don't think he started a game this year. He's rode the bench, and like that's a great story, but is that really comeback player of the year worthy? Like, is it? 
I think Joe Flacco would have my vote. Like, I don't think there's anybody else that deserves it. But there might be other people who would have, you know, possibly have my vote. I think Matthew Stafford has had a pretty good year. But I think before him, Baker Mayfield? Baker Mayfield has played just as good, if not better, than Patrick Mahomes this year. And I feel like that's going severely undershadowed. So, I, I, I don't think that DeMar Hamlin deserves the comeback player of the year. And fucking smite me down, Zeus. I don't give a fuck. I don't care that you died. I'm thankful you're alive. And I'm thankful for the things you do for this city. And the practice reps you give to this team. But fuck, man. I don't, I don't think riding the bench and being a special teams player is worthy. Now, if he came back and strapped his helmet up and played 14 games and got a couple picks and got a couple, you know, TFLs or whatever the fuck, maybe. <coughs> Jesus. <coughs> Goddamn. I've been sick a little bit. Excuse me. I'm phlegmy. I can barely hear out of my fucking left ear right now. It sucks. I just think that this year that he's had has just not been worthy of a comeback player of the year. He's going to get it. I get why. But, dude, give it to Joe Flacco. Give it to fucking Baker. We'll give it to someone who really earned it. Fuck, man. And now that I'm, now that I'm speaking bad upon the, the undead, let's wrap this bitch up, dude. Let's wrap it up. And I want to end with, with one last little thing. Uh, just some goals for 2024. Because, I mean, w- when it comes to podcasting, First of all, there's about 40 million podcasts. So when you step into it at any degree, um, you got to look to differentiate yourself a little bit. And I know that realistically right now, I, I don't have a, a crazy different podcast. I don't. And that's fine. Like, I, I'm fine with what I have right now. I enjoy the way I do this. I like when people come on. I, I, I just enjoy doing this stuff. It makes me happy, um, and and again, you know, this there's an end destination, and it's to get into this media field, man. And I'm gonna keep striving for it. Um, but I, I think goals are helpful. I think short term goals are helpful, and I got a couple short term goals that I'm just gonna say now. It's January second. Might as well get them out. Uh, call them resolutions, if you will. And uh, I just feel like saying things to people, saying things on the podcast, will keep me more accountable. Um, I just need that. Every human needs that to some degree. Uh, first of all, I want to get video for this podcast. I love doing it like this and this is fine, but I'd love to get some video going. I'd love to put it out on YouTube. Uh, just give more platforms for people to see it. Obviously this version would still be available, but I I'd really like to get some video going for it. I feel like it'd be fun. Uh, I'm also very, uh, physical when I talk, but you can't see that. I'm throwing my hands around all the time. Uh, when I have guests here, we're we're going crazy. We're jumping around, acting nuts. When we're doing the fucking music in the beginning of the episode, I'm fucking dancing, singing. So, like, I, I want to get video so it could be a little bit more intimate so you can see me, so you can feel it, uh, and feel the energy. I also want to take the time to market this a lot better than I have. I've been really inactive on that Instagram, and I know that I have been, and that's doing nothing but... Uh, it's not helping me and it's not hurting me, 
but it's definitely not helping me. And that's, that's one more important. Uh, so I got to be more active on the Instagram and I understand that. Uh, I want to get more guests on. I want to have more guests more frequently. Recently, it's been tough. It's been the holiday season. People got shit going on and I'm not going to, you know, pull people away from their fucking family to come on this podcast of 40 followers. That's just so foul and I'm not that important. And I understand that. Uh, and also I want to take the time to, uh, really plan out holiday episodes. I had a Christmas episode ready to go. Uh, but then, like I said, holidays come up, times don't work out with people and it just didn't end up working out. So it's whatever, but I, I'd really like to hit the holidays more. I just feel like this would be fun episodes. They'd be themed. They'd be easier to talk about. Uh, it would be fun. So those are my, those are my resolutions. I want to get video. I want to get people on. I want to be more active in marketing and on social media. And I also want to hit the holidays a little bit harder than I will. I want to hit the holidays. I haven't even hit them hard. Uh, I haven't hit them at all. So yeah, those are my goals. Uh, I plan to hit them. Thank you for listening. I appreciate you, uh, clicking on. And like I said, in the beginning of the episode, follow the Instagram at the old New York underscore. That's the big one you want to follow. You can also follow that on TikTok and on Twitter, but really go hammer that Instagram. Uh, I'd appreciate it. And, and yeah, thank you for listening, man. I, I hope your New Year's has been well. I hope that hangover's cured by now. Let's all get back to work. Let's get fucking rowdy for the New Year. Let's have a good fucking rest of our January. Thank you again for listening, and I'll catch you guys in the next one.